We've all got questions about the Bible and Christianity. Some of us are Christians and want to know how best to live for God and show our love for Him. Some of us are curious about what it means to follow Jesus. And some of us are skeptical of the idea of religion in general. Whatever your background, we invite you into these conversations that strive to take an honest look at what the Bible has to say on a wide variety of subjects. Each week, we will discuss questions that have been sent in from all around the world and try to find truth and practical application in God's Word. If you have any questions or follow-up comments, contact us anytime by emailing info at broadwaycoc.com. I'm Jed Lovejoy, and these are Conversations with Dan. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another one of our conversations here with Dan. Uh, today's question, we'll just jump right in, Okay, is what does it mean to pray in the Spirit with tongues? Well, that those might not always be the same question, but I think the person must be talking about 1 Corinthians 14. Okay, let's take and a if, look. If we turn over to 1 Corinthians 14, this is part of a um, two or three chapter discussion of what goes on in the assembly or what went on in the assembly at Corinth, mm-hmm. the Sunday assembly. And um, he's been talking in chapter 12 and 13 about spiritual gifts, mm-hmm. and particularly in chapter 13 about the principle of love as the operating principle of spiritual gifts. Okay. If I have a certain spiritual gift or ability, I'm supposed to use that um, for the common good. I'm supposed to use that for the good of the entire body. I'm supposed to use it thinking about what's good for everybody else and not just what's good for me. Right. It was not supposed to be a matter of self-aggrandizement, self-promotion, uh, uh, selfish display of something. Mm-hmm. And it seems that they had a problem with one particular gift, and that was uh, the gift of tongues. Okay. And so if you look in 14, 1 through... Uh, Two. Just read 14, 1 and 2 there. Okay. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 and 2. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. All right. Now that that last phrase, in the Spirit, mm-hmm. Could be could be translated with his spirit or by the spirit, and because um, mine mine has it capitalized, so yeah. I assume it's talking about the Holy Spirit. Yeah, probably yeah. so. Okay. But um, his point is that the church is not helped by someone speaking in a tongue that they don't understand. And prophecy was more of a straightforward, here's what God says in your own language, and here's the message, and everybody understood it. Mm-hmm. And so if you go down to verse 3, he says, Everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Mm-hmm. But he who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Okay. So... Prophecy was directly understandable and directly encouraging uh, to the church. A modern day would be preaching if it was plain. It would be directly encouraging to the church. Whereas if if somebody got up and just started speaking Portuguese, if the church didn't speak Portuguese, it wouldn't help anybody. Right. You know, and um, 
So there's a comparison here between something that helps the church and something that just is about yourself. Okay. Um, now, so you're saying that speaking in tongues is not a not necessarily because it's an a, a strange unknown sound or you know string of words. It's that it's a different language being spoken that is not useful for the people in that yes. are present. Yes, and if, okay. you, if you go down, and we're going to talk about that a little more in a minute, but if you go down to 14, 18, and 19, let's, let's uh, read that. Okay. It says, I thank God that I never... Oh, that I do. Or that, sorry, I thank God that I do speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. So specifically, Paul says that in church... The speaking in tongues is not helpful to other people who don't understand that um, tongue. And then if you go down to verse 22, he explains the real purpose of tongues. Yeah, he says, Thus tongues are a sign not for the believers, but for the unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for the unbelievers, but for the believers. All right, and so if we take that back to, for example, the day of Pentecost, when the apostles were unable to speak with tongues. Let's turn back over there to Acts 2 Mm -hmm. for a minute. And then we have to come back to chapter 14 of Corinthians to answer the person's question. Yeah. In Acts 2, um, when the apostles received uh, the Holy Spirit, um, if you'll look at um, verse 6 through mm-hmm. 8, read them if you would. And at the sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all of these speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? The word there for native language is the Greek word dialecto. Hmm. And we get the word dialect from it. So these were not jibber-jabber-jibber-jabber. They were dialects yeah. that people could actually say, hey, that's my language. And another one would say, well, that isn't speaking my language. Right. See all the countries that are listed there in verse mm-hmm. 9 and following? Yep. Uh, read verse 11 at the end of that list of countries. Uh, verse 11 says, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arab, uh, Arabians, we hear them telling Telling in our own tongues the mighty work of God. In our own tongues. Mm-hmm. So one of the things we need to establish, first of all, is that speaking or praying in a tongue was praying in a known language yeah. that they had never studied or learned, but they just had the miraculous ability to speak. Yeah. And so for them, it was a miraculous thing. In a modern day context, it's probably something you you have learned or you grew up in another country. And so you're able to converse with other people. Right. So looking at you with the beard, I would I would think that maybe you took some German or something. Did you ever take German? I did. I thought maybe you did because you just sort of have. Yeah, never mind. But but German. And so you had to learn to speak a few words of German. Like, okay, was ist los? You know, yeah. you, you learned that stuff. And, and uh, but, you know, you couldn't just naturally speak German if you never went to German class, no. right? No. And uh, I tried to speak a little German, but it not, not much of it stuck with me. But, uh, okay, so that's what tongues is in okay. the Bible. But if you go back over to 1 Corinthians... 14, Mm -hmm. more to the point of the person, what does it mean to pray in a tongue? Yeah. In 1 Corinthians 14, 
after he compares prophecy and tongues and and uh, there in verse 6 and following he compares it to uh, a military trumpeter who's trying to sound the charge or sound the mm-hmm. retreat and that certain intonations on the trumpet mean charge and certain mean sure. retreat and so they're not just random sounds. They have a meaning, and all yeah. the soldiers understood the meaning. It's basically another language that those soldiers have had to learn. That's right. Yeah. And so when you go down to uh, verse uh, 14, okay. he's talking about praying in a tongue. And let's just read a little bit. It says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. All right, so if, if you look down at verse 13 and 14, you'll see that, that um, praying in a tongue means actually praying in one of these other languages. But he says if you're just praying in a language and you know how to speak the language, but you don't understand the language... Mm. then your mind or your understanding is unfruitful. If if you could start rattling off Spanish, but you really didn't know what you were saying. Basically, like, if I had heard someone say phrases and I was just repeating them. Yes, and that could okay. be dangerous. That it could. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, so, here he's saying, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit praying, evidently, it was something you could feel, and it was kind of exciting to be taken over by the Spirit and to be enabled mm-hmm. to speak in these other languages. But you're, you're, there's no understanding, and the people that are listening to you don't have an understanding. Yeah. Now, the difference in the Corinthian setting and the Pentecost setting was, in the Pentecost setting, the purpose for that was to demonstrate visibly and audibly to all those unbelievers that Jesus Christ was really alive. Yeah, because it was the, it was the Holy Spirit had come upon those men, and they were given the power to right. But their point was that the risen Christ had poured out the Spirit upon them, and therefore right. He's alive. Yes. Uh, Acts two thirty three. Being therefore by the right hand of God exalted, that's Jesus. Mm-hmm. He has poured forth this which you now see and hear. Hmm. So evidence for the living Christ to the unbelievers is that he's done the miracle here today. Right. See? So in a church setting where there's a bunch of believers, that purpose doesn't exist. True. And that's why he said that tongues in verse 22 are not for believers. They're to show unbelievers Mm -hmm. something. All right. So when you go down here to um, verse uh, 16... Okay. Uh, he says, if you are blessing or praying with the Spirit, how can the one who finds himself among those who are unlearned say the amen to your thanksgiving since he does not know what you're saying? The blessing or the thanksgiving here is likely the prayers over the Lord's Supper. Yeah. And if you're, if you're not saying, uh, Lord... I'm so grateful for your grace. I'm so grateful for your kindness. I'm so grateful for the blood of Christ. I'm so grateful that you love me, you know, and all these things. And Mm -hmm. and everybody who agrees with that and is sharing that prayer can say, yes, amen, my sentiments too. Right. But if you take off in a different language and you're just all by yourself and you're not even sure what you're saying, then they can't say, yes, I agree with that, because they have no idea. And the whole experience is not one of of them being able to pour their gratitude out with you. Right. So it doesn't edify anybody but yourself. Um, 
oftentimes, see, when we say, we try to take verse 15, for example. What shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I'll also pray with my mind. He's talking about praying in a tongue. Yeah. He's not talking like we say, we need to worship with the spirit and with the under. No, we've misunderstood yeah. this passage. Yeah. He's not talking about be excited or, or you know, pour your heart out. He's talking about speaking in a tongue. In a different state of mind, almost. Right. And yeah. then it says, I will sing with the Spirit. Mm-hmm. There he's talking about, if I sing in a tongue, hmm. uh, and I will also sing with my understanding. So yeah. I need to understand. So what he's telling them is their prayer and their singing in the assembly should be in the language that everybody speaks so that everybody can participate in this and say the amen and understand the words yeah. and actually speak to one another in the psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Yeah. So, so the question that they ask is, what is praying in the Spirit? If they mean this passage, and I think they do, yeah. it means to, to pray in, a, in another language due to the spiritual gift of tongues. But then we would get into the question of whether that gift even exists anymore. Yeah, does the Holy Spirit still come upon someone? Like if I was out in the middle of a strange land and needed to converse and worship with the people around me, and I had a message to share or something, would the Spirit give me the ability to speak this language without previous teaching? In in my understanding, no. Um, In um, Acts chapter 8... The apostles came down to Samaria after they had obeyed the gospel and laid hands on people Mm -hmm. in order to give them some kind of a gift from the Spirit. It just says, give them the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And uh, in Acts 8.18, it says, when Simon saw that it was through the laying on of hands that the Holy Spirit was given. He offered money. Yeah, we, (laughs) we know that everyone who's baptized into Christ, Acts 2.38, receives the Holy Spirit. But this was something in addition. Yeah. It's not clear in this passage what it was. But if you go to Acts 19, okay. this issue is cleared up somewhat. In Acts 19, verse 6, it tells you what they got by the laying on of hands. It says, And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. And were- All right, so speaking in tongues was a gift that was transmitted by the laying on of the apostles' hands. Hmm. Well, when the apostles died and there were no more apostles to transmit it, yeah. logically that gift ceased, but that's not the only thing. If you go over to uh, 1 Corinthians 13, okay. which is part of this discussion, right? there are three gifts, specifically in verses 8 through 10, that he says are going to be temporary. Mm-hmm. What do he say? Uh, Love never ends, but as for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. And as for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. All right, so he says that tongues, miraculous knowledge, and prophecy Mm -hmm. would be done away with. They were temporary. But a little bit later he says, but now remains, as opposed to passing away, but now remains faith, hope, Mm -hmm. and love. So those gifts were temporary in the first place. 
So because he says those three gifts would be done away, by the way, he doesn't say all gifts would be done away. He says those nope. three. He says those were temporary. Uh, and those were the very gifts that we showed that were given by the laying on of the apostles' hands. Yep. Those are the reasons why we believe that we don't have the miraculous gift of tongues like they had in the New Testament. Time. Yeah. So it's, a, it's more of a, do you still have the ability to speak in tongues, so to say, Sure, you can learn other languages and speak to other people. But not miraculously by the Holy Spirit. It's not that God can't do it. It's just that according to Scripture, God's purpose for that was temporary. Yeah. uh, Until God's Word was revealed and confirmed. And when you think about, I mean, these were laymen, many of them fishermen from one region of the world, and suddenly they're tasked with spreading the Word to everyone. They can speak Arabic all of a sudden. Yeah. So it, it was a very... It was a very useful tool for them to do what they'd been called to do. Right. Um, Another way of looking at this question, just in case they have um, a different thing in mind, the way they put it sounds to me like 1 Corinthians 14, verse 15 and 16. Okay, so this is kind of a part B answer. Yeah. Paul uses praying in the Spirit in more than one sense. Oh. And if you go over to Ephesians 6, okay. he's talking about putting all putting on the armor of God and how important prayer is mm-hmm. in doing that because prayer is a, is a manifestation of trusting God instead of trusting yourself. Right. So in Ephesians 6, 18, um, read that after he tells them how to put on all the armor of God. Okay, there in verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit with all power and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Here, praying in the Spirit, I don't think has anything to do with speaking in tongues in the context. It's the idea that you're trusting in God and you're trusting in the Spirit of God and you continue in prayer. And if you go back in the, in the book of Ephesians, like at Ephesians 3, verse 16, mm-hmm. he prays that they might be strengthened with power through His Spirit in their inner being. Mm-hmm. And perhaps prayer uh, helps in that regard. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's idea that you're in tune with God and you're in tune with the Spirit of God and you're praying in, in harmony with all of that, but not necessarily that you're doing it in a tongue in this passage. Does it link in with verse 17 where it, I mean, because you talk about the sword of the Spirit right before that, uh, and it says, which is the Word of God, mm-hmm. and then it says praying at all times in the Spirit. So is that kind of linking praying and being, you know, kind of in God's Word together? Maybe being consistent with God's Word in your prayers, maybe yeah. not asking him to do things that he clearly says in his word he's not going to yeah. do or something I mean, like kinda, that. It's like I'm not looking at the original Greek, but as far as the English reads, they're very similar yeah. phrases right yeah, they each are. other. So. They are. But this, this phrase is used in a couple of other places, but all of you that are listening out there, the, the context of a passage means everything. And in the oh, yes. Corinthians passage, it is all about spiritual gifts and the comparison in particular between tongue speaking and prophecy. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he's comparing those two. One is for the encouragement and edification and understanding of all the church. The other is more of a thing for unbelievers to demonstrate God's power and really doesn't have much of a place in the assembly unless there's an interpreter. Right. Okay. 
Um, there was also, according to 1 Corinthians 14, and is it verse... Uh, uh, I got to get the verse again where he says to pray that you might interpret if you have that uh, gift. Let's look down about uh, 13. It's verse 13. For yep. this reason, anyone who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret mm. what he says. So if you could speak in a foreign language and then interpret your message, that would at least be better than just speaking in the foreign language and nobody else understood what you're hmm. saying. But even then, if he was talking to them about an issue of kind of self-aggrandizement, that he's like, you you almost read that and go, wouldn't that further the problem almost? Yeah. You know, if you're the one, well, I can pray in this tongue. Oh, and I can interpret it too. Yeah, yeah. And, and chapter 13 that precedes this, Mm-hmm. If you're going to use a spiritual gift, use it for the good of everybody. Use right. it for love. Don't use it for your selfish interest. Use it for what's good. And when he comes down a little further in 1 Corinthians 14, starting in verse 26, he says, you know, he, he lists a bunch of these gifts and says, let everything be done for edifying, for the building up mm-hmm. of the church. Yep. If anyone does speak in a tongue, let it be two of them, or at most three of them, hmm. one at a time, and then someone must interpret. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in yeah. the church. Yep. So there you go. So it still comes down to that. It's supposed to be for building everyone up. It's a togetherness thing. That's not, right. Not kind of a singular uh, emotional or self-aggrandizement. Right. And, and Call attention to yourself. Moment. One of the ways we might translate this, if you will, to modern worship services where we're not speaking in tongues. Hmm. Uh, sometimes in our singing, we may sing Night with Eben Pinion, Brooded o'er the Veil, and you might as well be speaking <laughs> Portuguese to most people. <laughs> yes. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Or In Vain and High and Holy Lays. Who in the world knows what that means? Right. See? And so we're really speaking in a foreign language. We're not doing what 1 Corinthians 14 says because everybody is supposed to be able to understand what we say mm. or sing or yeah. pray in a, in a church service. Yeah. I'm with you. Okay, so, and, and one last thing. In that okay. chapter of, of Corinthians... Uh, if you look at verse 3 there, 14.3, okay. if it doesn't encourage or edify or comfort, mm-hmm. yep. and uh, a little bit later, um, what is it, verse 19, but I, if, in the church yep. I would rather speak five words yep. with my understanding to instruct others, so if it doesn't instruct yeah. others, a little bit further down... Uh, verse 24, but if the unbeliever or someone who does not understand comes in while you're prophesying, he will be convinced or convicted. Mm-hmm. So encouragement, comfort, uh, edification, instruction, conviction. Yep. yep. Those are the things that should result from what we do for everybody. Yeah. And if it's not understandable to everybody, it won't do that. Okay. Well, hopefully between kind of part A, part B, that gives you a good picture of this answer. Uh, If there's any follow-ups to this one, by all means, send them on in. Uh, We get quite a few follow-up questions, and we respond to some of those individually. So keep them coming, and we appreciate everyone watching and sharing and everything else. And thank you, Dan, for your time, as always. Later. Have a good week.
Thanks again for listening to these weekly conversations between myself and Dr. Dan Owen. Conversations with Dan is an outreach and teaching ministry of the Broadway Church of Christ in Paducah, Kentucky. You can find us online through most of the major social media sites or through our website, broadwaycoc.com.